1: mortality? Maybe as you get older, you might. John Corson, I love what John Corson said about this, quote, the statistics of death are conclusive. 10 out of 10 people die. Yet most people refuse to spend any significant time contemplating the fact that they are dying. We must consider what happens after our physical
0: we must consider where we will spend eternity. The unknown of death is scary, but you don't have to be afraid. Today, Pastor Dave implores you to consider what will happen after you die. You're a spiritual being and have a spiritual life that will continue after death. The question is, where will you spend eternity? In God's presence or separated from Him? And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 24 as he continues his message, The Thief of Souls. You are assured.
1: Paul shows no fear here, speaking through the Holy Spirit. Did Paul tell them that this self-control or this this self-discipline can only be accomplished by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which is given to the believer when they accept Jesus Christ? I wonder if Paul told them that, leading up to salvation. Did Paul tell the couple that they could have a new beginning through a relationship with Jesus Christ? That all the old could be washed away. That that everything that they had done prior could be gone, could be forgiven. And that that it could be new, a new creation. Did he tell them that? Did he tell them that, that they could be a new creation and have the hope of eternal life? If he did, this must have been appealing to the couple. This must have been very appealing to them because... I'm sure they regret their past because many of us still regret our past even though we are forgiven by Jesus Christ and we are born again. We still have trouble with our past. We still have trouble forgetting it. So I'm sure this couple knew their past. They knew their past lives. Paul's final point though in the sermon was the judgment to come. The judgment to come. You know, I think when we're giving the gospel message, I think we leave this part out a lot. I think we fail to mention the judgment to come? In other words, what happens tomorrow? What happens when we die? Did Paul speak to this couple like he did to the Greek philosophers? You remember back in Acts seventeen thirty-one when he said, God has an appointed day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He's saying God will judge the world through Jesus Christ. You see, when you get right down to where the rubber meets the road, Jesus is either your Savior or your judge. Jesus is either your savior or your judge. You choose, and you might ask, how do we know that Jesus Christ is the judge? Well, Paul continued in Acts 17.31 when he said, He, God, has given assurance of this to all by raising him, Jesus, from the dead. This assurance comes from God himself through his word. Paul takes the sermon full circle, and Felix once again is faced with resurrection. Faced once again with resurrection, his own mortality. His own mortality. Do you ever think about your mortality? Maybe as you get older, you might. John Corson, I love what John Corson said about this. Quote, the statistics of death are conclusive. Ten out of ten people die. Yet most people refuse to spend any significant time contemplating the fact that they are dying. We must consider what happens after our physical death. We must consider where we will spend eternity. We are all spiritual beings. We talked about that two weeks ago, and we will all be spending eternity somewhere. So Paul reasoned with Felix and Drusilla about righteousness, doing what was right in God's eyes, confessing and repenting their sin. He reasoned with them about self-control, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you into a self-discipline and a blessing. And he reasoned to the couple about judgment to come, reminding them that judgment is near for all of us and we should all consider the reality of eternity and where we will spend it. Unfortunately, it stopped there. Unfortunately, Felix, the true procrastinator, the true one to put off Today, what I can do tomorrow, says this in chapter 20, in chapter twenty four, verse twenty five b. Felix was afraid and answered, "Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call you." Let's look at first. It says Felix was afraid. There are translations that said he trembled, which is probably more the truth. He was afraid and he trembled, but he once again puts off making a decision. He puts off making a decision. He defers his decision until another time. A time that he thinks is more convenient. Come back when I have a more convenient time. Felix had knowledge of the way. He had accurate knowledge of God's way. This way. This way of Jesus Christ. Now he has explicit knowledge. He heard from the Apostle Paul himself. Not only was his mind form, but his heart was moved by fear. The Holy Spirit was tweaking his heart. His heart was moved by fear. Yet he could not obey the truth. He could not obey the truth and confess his sin and repent. he said, quote, it's not enough for a person to know the facts about Christ or have an emotional response to a message. He or she must willingly repent of sin and trust the Savior. We must willingly repent and trust our Savior. Jesus, when railing against the Jews in John 5, speaks about the witness of the Father who had sent him, and says this in verses 37 through 40, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent, He him you do not believe. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me, but you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. There's the key phrase that Jesus says. You're not willing to come to me that you have may life and that you may have life and this was Felix's problem. He wasn't willing to come to Jesus for life. He wasn't willing to confess his sin. He wasn't willing to lay down his life for a savior, for someone who could give him eternal life right there on the spot. He knew about the way. He had accurate knowledge. He heard Paul. He heard the good news. He was touched by the Holy Spirit. But he refused to obey. He refused. And this is tragic. Here his procrastination might have cost him his eternal life. We're not told. We don't know. But after Philip's. His procrastination could have cost him eternity spent with God. Philip's inability to make a decision was ultimately his decision. To not to decide is to decide. There's no middle road when it comes for Christ. Remember, he said, you're either for me or against me. There's no middle road. The most convenient time for a sinner to be saved is right now. That's the most convenient time for a sinner to be saved. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 2. For he says... In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. For those of you here today, salvation has never been closer than today. It has never been any closer. As we finish our text today, we see what's in Felix's true heart. Read. Look at the verse. Meanwhile. He also hoped that money would be given to him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. But after two years, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and Felix, wanting to do the Jews a favor, left Paul bound. So we see a couple things here. Number one, Felix was a man pleaser. Wanting to please the Jews, he left Paul bound. He knew Paul was innocent. He knew there were no charges against Paul. He knew he could have let him go. But then he was also waiting for money. He had a greedy heart. His heart was full of greed, wanting money from Paul. Though he had accurate knowledge of God, though he had heard the gospel, Felix's heart was hard towards the things of God. How many times did Felix hear the gospel during those two years? We're not told. I'm sure every time he sent for Paul, Paul never failed to share the gospel with Felix. How close did Felix get? How close did Drusilla get? They heard the gospel. They heard everything. Their hearts were moved. Their hearts were quickened, but they didn't respond. They didn't choose. They procrastinated, waiting for even a more convenient time. It's never recorded what Felix had, a profession of faith. It's not recorded, and we have no idea what happened to his wife either. But Felix was a procrastinator, and he allowed his foolish attitudes to guide his life. He had foolish attitudes about God's Word, thinking he could take it or leave it. Wow, that's a foolish attitude. Yeah, I can take God's word. You know, take it or leave it. No, uh, it's not all true. I'll pick out what I want it true. And, you know, there's some stuff in here that's a contradiction, you know. Wow, that's a foolish attitude. God commands all of us to repent. When God speaks, men and women alike, you better listen and obey. When God speaks clearly to you, you need to listen and you know obey. But Felix also had a foolish attitude towards his sin. He knew he was a sinner. Most of us do, yet he refused to break with his sins and obey the Lord's command to repent and come to him. This is a foolish attitude. He also had a foolish attitude of God's grace as well. A foolish attitude of God's grace. You know, the Lord is long-suffering indeed and suffered long with Felix, the governor, but he would not surrender his life to Christ. Felix was sure there'd be another day, so he procrastinated and put off any decision about his eternal address. We don't know how long God will strive with man. We don't know how long God will strive with you. We don't know how many times we have a chance to accept the true living God. We don't know. We do know in Proverbs 27, verse 1, it says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Felix kept Paul bounded for two years and conversed with him, but his heart was hard and he refused to obey the Lord. He continued to put off his decision regarding Paul and Jesus. The procrastination would have tragic results. I found this quote this morning from Roy Lesson. He says, To have the right priorities, a man's focus must not be on the head, but on the heart. Not on himself, but on God. Not on time, but on eternity. Where's your focus? Where's your focus? Have you been procrastinating about the things of God? Do you have Felix's foolish attitudes about God's word? Do you have this foolish attitude about sin or about God's grace? Have you been putting off making a decision about where to spend eternity? Oh, I'll get to it tomorrow. I have everything I need. I have all the abundance of things. I have success. I have happiness. I have security. Why do I need the Lord? I'm enjoying the life to the fullest. So you may think. Jesus tells this parable in the Gospel of Luke 12, verses 16 through 21. Then he spoke a, a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? No, he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there I will store my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for you for many years. Take ease, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool. Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then though whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God? So is he. Maybe you respond the same way. This is life. What could I want more? What could I need more? I have everything I need. Jesus didn't see the farmer enjoying life. Jesus saw the farmer facing death. Wealth cannot keep us alive when our time comes to die. I've been in hospitals when somebody said, Spare no expense. Whatever money can buy doesn't usually work. Doesn't usually work. You can't buy back the opportunities that we've missed by procrastination. You can't buy back those opportunities that we missed by procrastination and putting things off. You know, while we were ignoring God and ignoring others also. You know, Jesus made it clear that the true life does not come from the abundance of things, nor true success or even security. The man in the parable had a false view of life and death. He thought that life came from accumulating things, and death was far, far away. You know, the one who dies with the most toys wins. Accumulation, accumulation, things and things. This man in the parable enjoyed his time of procrastination. He enjoyed his time of putting off you know, putting off the things of God for the things of the world. But where did it get him in the end? All the treasure he stored up on earth, where is it now? Where is it? The greatest tragedy is not that this man left behind, but what lay ahead of him? Eternity without God. That's the tragedy here, and that's the tragedy that Felix was facing. Eternity without God. The man lived without God and died without God, and here is the tragedy. See, the heart of the rich fool, look at my crops, look at my barns, look at my goods, look at my soul. Everything is about him, me, 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 nothing about God. But in the end, it was proved that nothing, even his own soul was subject, everything is. Everything he had was subject to God. He didn't even have any crops, any barns, any goods because his soul was dead. You know, we've been talking about the person who hears God's call to salvation and puts it off, deciding another day. We've been talking about the procrastinator. You know, when we put things off, we're putting off God himself. We're saying, I don't want you, God. I don't need you, God. I'm going to put you off. But what, what about those of us that are born again? What of us that know where we're going for eternity, and we're still procrastinating? We're still procrastinating about the things of God. We're still procrastinating because God has called us to a ministry and we refuse to do it. God has told us to go share the gospel with this person right here and we've refused. Well, I know it'll wait another day. Well, let me tell you a story about that. A story that happened to me when I was young in my Christianity. I used to work at Votech and there was a baker there. I love this guy. He made Beatrice and I's wedding cake. What a wonderful man. I talked with him all the time, tried to share with him a little bit, but but it never came out right the way I wanted it to. But he got cancer, and he was going to die. And I kept felt the Lord telling me to go over to see him and talk to him, and go over to see him talk to him. I didn't know how. I didn't know what to do. And guess what? He died. And I was crushed. I was crushed. Because I didn't go over. I didn't follow what the Lord had told me to do. I didn't go and see the guy. I didn't share with him the love of Jesus Christ. I didn't know where he was in eternity. Broke my heart. How can I let God down? How can I let this guy down, whom I supposedly loved? How can I possibly do that? But our God is merciful. Our God is ever caring. And I went. I went to his funeral. I found out that he was already, that he was already a Christian. But a a lesson I learned sticks with me to this day. I will not take that chance ever again. Are you procrastinating what God has called you to do? Are you procrastinating because he's called you to, to, to get closer to him? But I will, Lord, in a minute. I want to read your word, but, you know, I got to read the paper. I want to read your word, but Fox News is so interesting. I want to read your word, but, you know, I just don't have time. Look at my schedule. I want to pray, but you know what? Right now, I'm just in the midst of everything, Lord. You understand? I love you. You understand? I, I want to do this. I want to do that, but I'll, I'll find time. You get up in the morning, and you don't read your scriptures. You don't study. Okay, fine, I'll do it tonight. You come home at night. You're tired. You're worn out from work, and the next thing you know, You're asleep. Or you sit in front of that square box and you get zoomed into the square box and it takes all your time away. It just sucks you away. I'm talking about the TV, not let alone the computer, holy mackerel. Satan's greatest gift in the world was a computer. His next greatest gift was the iPhone. Because these things pull us away from God. If I could have one minute with my earthly father to tell him I love you. Just one minute. It would be the greatest minute in the entire world for me. But I think back, and I was talking to someone earlier about our parents, I remember the times that he and my mom used to come visit us in Ocean City, and I loved them so, and it was so much fun. But, you know, they were my parents, and I was their kid, and you know, after a couple of hours, a couple of days, when are they going to leave? You know, I mean, it was like, you know, it's, just, it's typical, mother-son relationship as you get older. just to see him and say, Dad, I love you. It would be the greatest gift that God has ever given me. But I will again one day, because I know he's in heaven. But we have a father, a glorious, gracious father, who cared so much about each and every one of us, that he would allow his own son to come to earth as one of us, to allow him to be butchered, to allow him to be just... Turn apart to allow him to die on a cross. sole purpose is that we might now have a relationship with him, and we give that up for Fox News. We give that up because I want to check my email
0: on my iPhone.
1: And I think of his heart that breaks, but he wants to say, "Hi, Dave. How you do it. And I think of his heart when he wants to say, Dave, how are you doing today? I just want to spend some time with you. And I think of my dad, my mom. they just want to spend some time with you. When I think of our sons, we just want to spend time with them. And I think of the hurt I cause them. Oh, you know, I'm busy. Okay. We sang this morning, that love continues to come towards me. He never stops loving me. He never stops caring for me. He never stops sending his grace, his mercy my way. It's amazing. I'll get to it tomorrow, Lord. I'll get to it tomorrow. Let me leave you with this poem. He was all to be, he was going to be all that a mortal man should be tomorrow. No one would be better than he tomorrow. Each morning he would stack the letters he would write. Tomorrow. It was too bad he was too busy to see his friend, but he promised he'd do it. Tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man would have been. Tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen. Tomorrow. But the fact is, he died and faded from view. And all that was left when living was through, a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. Is God speaking to us today? Is God speaking to your heart today? We must not put off our obedience to him. We must not put off our obedience to him for another time, for we don't know if or when that time will ever come. There are no assurances of tomorrow. There's only an assurance of death. There's only an assurance of a small time in this earth, a blip of vapor. It's always the right time to do the right thing. If it's salvation, today's the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Act now before tomorrow comes. Don't put it off any longer. God is speaking to you about other things, calling you in the ministry wanting you to witness to your neighbor, wanting you to witness to your spouse or whatever. If God is calling you to certain things, we must respond to God's word as soon as it comes to us individually. Do not procrastinate. Do not put it off one more second for tomorrow may never come. His love is perfect towards us. We sing His love never fails. We're so happy for that. Let's live for him today. This hour. Let's live for him and not put off till tomorrow. What we can do now for him today. Amen. You are sure. Hope.
0: Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the Body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and child care is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.